official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. So I'll start by saying if you enjoy this outdoor service, we're planning another one for February 8th. (laughs) Same location. Bring your parka. (laughs) Bring your parka. We will do baptisms then too and break a hole in the ice. It's a penguin plunge baptism. So that today, if if, if you don't want to get baptized in the cold, today's the day to really jump in and do that. So we've spent the last several weeks looking at ways in which Scripture uses nature to describe who God is, how he relates to us, and our relationship with him. And so we spent four weeks and we looked at trees in Scripture. We looked at water in Scripture. We looked at soil and and dirt and farming in Scripture. We looked at birds in Scripture last week. And Four weeks is is barely enough because we've barely scratched the surface of all the ways the scripture uses creation to teach us about God. And so since this is our last sermon in the series, I thought we could take a, a spiritual nature hike together and walk through a few Bible passages that talk about nature and show us how nature kind of reflects our creator, and also our relationship with him. And so we're going to look at five of them. And what we're going to notice, kind of the theme through these five scripture verses we're going to look at is this idea of nature proclaiming, praising, and pointing us to God. Um, how does creation point us to God? How does it proclaim who God is? Romans 1.20 says this, and I, and I think you guys have a handout with the scripture verses we're going to look at today. Um, Romans 1.20, I'm not sure this one's on there. This was a throw-in. This is a freebie. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And what Romans is telling us here is that We can see God's qualities. We can see his power, his divine nature through his creation. That the created world proclaims and praises and points us to him. And so for the next 15 minutes, I want you to put on your spiritual hiking shoes, grab your spiritual walking stick, your spiritual water bottle, your spiritual backpack. If you have all those things physically, put those on. Those are great. I'm assuming you don't. And we're going to walk through these five passages of scripture. The first stop we're going to take is Psalm 19, verse 1. Psalm 19, verse 1. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now, this is a psalm that was written by David. David spent 
a portion of his life as a shepherd. I can envision, we don't know this for sure, but I like to imagine that he's with his sheep, tending to his sheep outside and just looking up at the sky. And, and his heart and his mind is just filled with wonder for God. And he says in this psalm that the sky doesn't use any words, but it declares God's glory nonetheless. It speaks, even though it doesn't use words. And what's interesting about this verse is he says from... He says that to the ends of the world, it speaks. And it's interesting, no matter where we are on planet Earth, if we can get access outdoors, we can look up and see the sky, right? And we can be taken away for a brief moment. There's, there's nothing like looking up in a blue sky, clouds rolling, sun shining. It has a way of making us think big, of dreaming, of kind of uh, being taken away for a brief moment. And it also invites us, like the, like the psalm says, to consider the scope of God's immensity, right, when you see the sky. And so I want us to take a moment right now, and can you see the sky from where you're sitting? Not if you're looking right up, but you can kind of look up to the side. I want to take a moment, look at the sky as I read this passage again, and then think, how does the sky proclaim, praise, and point us to God? Let me read it again. The heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Okay, next stop, Isaiah 55, verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Look at this next verse. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And so this is a nature song. Isaiah's writing this chapter, the 55th chapter. And it's about relying on God's word. That's the, the premise of the, of the chapter. And Isaiah's writing in this kind of nature song that, that God's word is like the rain. Now, there's no rain for us to look at today, but that's a good thing. <laughs> right? Uh, but just like rain... God's word gives life. It makes everything bud and grow and flourish and, and green. God's word is life-giving like the rain. It's generative like the rain. It not only produces bread, Isaiah says, but it also produces seed, and so it multiplies life. It's expansive. It's generative. And Isaiah's song goes on to describe how the mountains and hills sing, how the trees of the field clap their hands. Now, I've never heard a mountain sing, and I've never seen a tree with hands, but I'm assuming if they had hands, they would probably clap them. But what is happening in this passage is Isaiah is using this imagery of, of nature to express the joy of all creation being made whole through God's word. And in John's gospel, we know this, that the word, the word of God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and his name was Jesus, Right? And so through Jesus' creation, we were promised in Scripture, will be fully redeemed. See, what we're looking at today is beautiful and it reflects God, but it's, we have not seen a creation fully redeemed and restored yet. 
And so the redemption that Jesus offers is more than just emotional and spiritual. It's physical, too. Right? And it's not just our souls that he saves. He wants to redeem and restore all of creation. Amen. And Isaiah captures that in this nature song. So take a moment. We can't see the mountains from here, but we will when we go down to the water. But take a moment and look at the trees as I read this again, this passage again. And, and ask yourself the question, how do they proclaim praise and point us to God? As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word. It goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. All right, let's go to the third verse, Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is, is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And verse 37 says this. When he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So what's happening here is Jesus is marching into Jerusalem uh, on uh, the colt of a donkey, and everyone is praising God, and the Pharisees don't like how loud and rambunctious uh, Jesus' disciples are being, and, and they complain. And Jesus tells the Pharisees, if they weren't praising God, the stones would. And he's essentially saying to the Pharisees, the stones are more aware of what's happening right now than you are. Like, you should be the ones, you're more inclined, you're designed, you have lips and the tongue and mouth and words and the ability to express your, your emotion and, and articulate what's going on. Stones are inanimate objects. And so he's essentially saying to them, you're missing this great, enormous opportunity. And there's also something in this passage, in these words by Jesus, about God's creation acknowledging him. And if you think it's strange that stones would cry out, look at the next passage, the fourth verse we're going to look at. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. It says, we know... That the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And so Romans tells us that all creation right now is currently having birth pains. <laughs> there. It's an anguish waiting to birth something new. And scripture teaches us that one day heaven is going to merge with earth. The two are going to come together and marry. And creation is going to experience the full redemption that Jesus bought us. And in the meantime, it says creation is sighing with us. It's groaning with us. You guys ever notice that whenever there's an earthquake or a tsunami or a volcano eruption or a hurricane, um, that we use a certain term to describe what those things are? Does anybody know what the term it is that we use? 
a disaster, but there's, a, there's, a, there's another one I'm specifically thinking of where we call it an act of God, right? And I want to sub- submit to you guys that um, we, get, we got that wrong, <laughs> that, that they're not an act of God. What that is, is it's result of a fractured creation suffering birth pains, it's a result of creation that just hasn't been healed, fully healed yet, hasn't been made fully whole yet, hasn't been fully redeemed and fully restored. And the scripture tells us about that. It says that all of creation's groaning, it's sighing with us. You know how we groan? We have this internal, like, pain, this internal sense of, like, something is not right in the world. And, this, and the message of the gospel is that it was right. And then in Genesis, Adam and Eve kind of abandoned God's shalom, God's way, and it fell into disorder and chaos, and Jesus came to redeem and restore not just our souls, but all of creation. And Romans tells us that it's groaning, it's sighing with us. When we're suffering, it's suffering. And so when we see tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis, it's, they're not acts of God. I would submit that it's creation groaning, waiting, saying, when will we be made whole and healed? So the next time you see a violent storm, let it remind you that nature is suffering and sighing with us. But it won't always be that way because of what Jesus did. Last stop of our spiritual nature hike, Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth And in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. We sang that song this morning, right? What we're doing when we sing that song is we're joining with creation and we're proclaiming, we're praising God, we're pointing to him. So the book of Revelation, of course, is John's vision of the new age when all things are set to right again, when creation's fully redeemed and restored. Every creature, it says, is praising God in unison. Can you even imagine what that will be like when, when, when all of creation is, is restored? The, Isaiah the prophet said, said it this way. He was prophesying about that day, and he said, the lion will lay down with the lamb, the children will pl- play near the cobra's den. There'll be complete harmony among the created order, all proclaiming and praising God. And so the scriptures, we, we only had five weeks, but the scriptures are full of passages like this that use nature to describe who God is, describe how he works, describe his relationship to us. And today we get the opportunity to be outside together and worship together and take special notice, right? And so here's what I want us to do um, this, this morning and for the rest of our time together is as you're out and about, as we go down to the water, we're going to do some baptisms, which I'll talk about in a minute. As you see the trees, the sky, the rocks, the water, take notice of them and ask yourself, how do they proclaim, praise, and point us to God? Can we do that? All right, let me say a quick prayer, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do for baptism here. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to join creation this morning to give you praise, to proclaim who you are. So God, we point and direct our hearts to you. And we ask that you would speak to us today, throughout our day. 
God, through conversations we have with one another, through your spirit just whispering still small voice to us, by looking at creation and recognizing how creation proclaims and praises and points us to you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to participate in baptism today, which we'll do in a few moments. And we have five um, folks who are going to be baptized today. What, what a beautiful day to be baptized. And Lord, we pray that you would be present with us in such a way we would be so aware of your presence that it would leave a mark on all of our souls, uh, all, of, all of our day. God, we would just be in praise, proclaiming who you are and your goodness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's, let me give you a little instruction what we're going to do. So we're going to get up and sing one more song together, and I'm going to ask all the folks who are going to be baptized today, and if you still want to be baptized today, this is your chance, or you have to wait till February for our next outdoor service. We're, I'm going to ask all the folks who are going to be baptized to meet with me right over here in the grass area while we're worshiping, and we're just going to go over kind of like what, how we're going to do this. And after we're done singing, Ian's going to come up and just close us with one quick word of prayer, and we're all going to go down this path, and there's a little cove that we're going to do the baptisms at, and we'll, the people who are being baptized will march in the water with, with Ian and I, and we will be doing some dunking. Does that sound good? So why don't we have the band come up, and we'll stand together, and we'll sing one last song. And then everybody who's interested in baptism, if you guys could meet me over here for a few minutes. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 